I don't think I can do it now. You have to use your tone. But you listen to it often, sir. Even these days. I mean, there is not good music to listen to. Listen to. Unfortunately. But the Dave Bloomberg. He's more rock and roll, and I'm nothing against rock and roll, but that's not my kind of music. No, I mean, I you still listen to jazz music these days whenever you get the time. Oh yes, yes, no question about it. So many cassettes are there. Then you have had them. Even the books are there, sir. Actually, centuries. Yeah. You see, the musicians, they were different lives. They were different ways of looking at things, different jokes, different things. And um, by and large, I find they're very open-hearted and frank. And I don't think I can do with that. My, one of my best friends was Johnny Baptist, standard player. Okay. So once my son went and asked him, Will you please, please see George Brown? Are you sorry to rob your son? Oh, that's how that's how he remembered. That that's the kind of connection. <laughs> Are you sorry to rob your son? Yeah. Hi, Soli sir. Welcome to Behind the Bar, literally and metaphorically. First of all, thank you so much for giving your time for this show. No, no, thank you for having me. So before I start this show, I just want to talk a little about the intention of our show. I believe that it is very important for the people to know about the life of a jurist, both in a professional way and in a personal sense. So this is why we are making this show so that people come to know what a life of a jurist is. All my secrets are out. No, sir. So, sir, Soli, sir, you're known as the Babbar Sher, or the Lion of the Bar. That's what they call you. But, sir, what I want to know from you first is, how were you as a child? Were you an obedient child? Were you a notorious kid? How were you as a child? I was only child, only son. Okay, sir. Only son and child. So I was pampered. But I was always interested in books and music from an early age. And then when the war declared, and the Japanese invasion took place, Singapore, Malaysia, at that time, we had a different feeling altogether. We used to go out, otherwise to hill stations that we couldn't go. So only went to places like Mathuram, Mahamleshwar, and spent the band there. But I followed the war very closely. Okay. For example, I remember Churchill saying, They'd fight them on the beaches, they'd fight them in the air. We shall never surrender. Mainly, I spent the time during the war watching the progress of the war. And when the U.S. entered, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, and Roosevelt said, they opened for me, that changed my whole thing. Okay. I was always fond of Americans. American jazz music I liked, Americans I liked. And then it was a peculiar thing. 
Subhash Chandra Bose was the Japanese. He was supposed to be the leader of the national movement. At the same time, people looked upon him as a rebel. It was a funny feeling. I didn't much care for Subhash Chandra Bose because I thought he was really playing in the hands of the Japanese. But very interesting times, war times. And I remember the explosion that took place in Bombay. Yes, sir. June 1950, 1944. Yes, sir. And there were friends with me. Charles Correa was with me. We were both together when it happened. And um, my good memories are of my professors, of my teachers in um, various school and college. School was Father Bonnet, very fine person. He taught me literature. And then um, College was, of course, Father Bell. And that was uh, the most interesting time was cricket match between Edmondson and Davis. Davis. Okay. So, so how did this idea of pursuing law come into your mind? Law? Yes, sir. I was not interested in trade and business. I didn't like the ways of business people. They got to please the X, please Y. So I didn't like that. No, because of profession, which, which you can are independent. You're not bound by anyone saying anything to you. And you can really, I thought, do some service to society by be making people aware of their rights. And apart from making them aware of the rights, fight for the rights, which are sometimes suppressed very sure. Then the emergency was suppressed very badly. So, so in 1953, when you started your practice, I've always seen that this, since last 70 years, you have focused a lot on the constitutional right, which is freedom of speech and expression. So, sir, what made you think that it is that constitutional right which needs to be focused in India? And frankly, without free speech and freedom of expression, democracy is a mockery. So that has to be kept alive. But of course, it's not absolute. It's subject to reasonable restrictions. That's what Article 19 provides. Freedom of speech can be restricted, the reasonable restrictions, and one of the heads of restrictions the contempt of court. So you can say the judge is lazy, okay. That is fat, okay. But if you say the judge is corrupt in the sense he only favors one community, or he favors another community, or he takes on gratification, then there's a matter in which they cannot, I don't believe that food is no defense in contempt. On the contrary, in such cases, let the people, person makes the allegations, give an opportunity to prove it. If he fails to prove it, punish him. But don't prevent him from making good allegations. That's right. By saying that truth is no defense in a contempt proceeding. So what do you think now in, uh, now it's been 70 years since you started your practice. So how has freedom of expression evolved in this country now? Well, Actually, it's not as vigorous as before. It tries to not displease the authorities. At the same time, there are people who speak out. And even, even if it means taking out the neck of that purpose. But freedom of speech and expression, people think it is something philosophical. It's not. It's a reality. Without that, people in India cannot know their rights. 
people train up not how to come to executive excesses. So to that extent, to my mind, freedom of speech is very important. And you don't have freedom of speech, there hardly any freedom at all. So what do you think about what happened with Mr. Prashant Bhushan uh, some time back? Prashant Bhushan is a person of strong convictions. He has paid that fine of one rupee. Actually, the trouble is, Prashant Bhushan and some others don't say the judge was wrong. Right. The judge was corrupt. I want to say, but before you say was corrupt, there must be some evidence. At the same time, you can't prevent him from dealing that evidence. That's my thing. You can't say, no, we are bound that you did the evidence. Because as it said, we're contempt of court, saying that. But he's a very brave person, a very resourceful person. I knew as a young man, I knew his father very well. Shanti Bhushan was the law minister. After the emergency was over, he was the law minister. He's the one who persuaded me to come to Delhi. Okay, okay, sir. And take up the post. So that's how you came from. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And sir, uh, talking about like when you were practicing, uh, we all know that Mr. Nani Palkiwala is one of the biggest lawyers, and you've shared a close. Finest, finest. And so you've shared a, a very close relationship with him. Oh yes. So if you can tell us some very interesting moment which has always stayed with you, some of his teachings, if you could tell for the young budding lawyers also, it will be very inspirational and motivational. You see, never believed in long arguments, in repeating arguments, believed in short arguments to the point, and he drove home the point. And he knew how to the move of the bench. He, knew, he, he never alienated any judges. He knew how to deal with them, how to handle them. And apart from that, we belong to the same community. We spoke in Gujarati, we cacked jokes in Gujarati. And he used to come to a place in Mahabeshwa. And then he used to sleep in the garden. But he couldn't stay for a day more. Next day we would be back, back to Bombay. But very fine person, very simple, humble. And I never forget one thing. At his house, we used to have a break-up dinner parties in Bombay. So, this by something charitable person, a party or um, he had come to Parkiwala's house. Parkiwala was, was the first house also. He saw him down to the car and gave him a check of two crores. Okay. And he didn't want that to be mentioned. That was his thing. I remember his famous saying was also that God pays, but not every week. Uh, he used to say this before. Yeah. And so, uh, talking about your journey further, uh, can you tell us something about that time of emergency? And uh, when you also stood up, I think you were one of the few advocates who stood up for the detainees of press censorship. And there was a Citizens Justice Committee formed. So, can you please take us back to that time and how how did it happen and what, what exactly was the situation like? He tried our best. To speak up for the journalists who were put behind bars or were harassed. And that required a little guts. Because people in the family were scared that you also may be behind bars. But if you believe in something, you should be prepared to fight for it and even to sacrifice some of your personal comfort and liberties. That's right, sir. And that's what happened. And finally, 
that emergency lasted only, thank God, 19 months or something. Then it was overthrown. And sir, uh, like, you know, we over here are like budding filmmakers. So there is one film which we have worked on and it always stays with us in our head. So you have fought so many cases, sir. If there is one landmark case of yours which you would like to talk about, some case, some moment which has always stayed with you, which you would like to share with us. I mean, he was one of the centuries for this case. Rats of the minorities. Article 25. Land to preach, profess. That was a very important case. And of course, other cases are those of detainees for whom he appeared. But you know, it was so embarrassing to find even people who he expected to be bold and spirited, like Chandrachur, Bhagwati. What they do with ADM Jabalpur. So, sir, going back now, uh, how was your time when you were uh, the Attorney General of India? And I think it was once in 1977 and then in 1998 again. So, how was that time and when you were re-elected for the second time, how was, what was the difference and if you could just tell us something about that. The difference was that no one tried to influence me as an Attorney General. On the contrary, they did to me that this cannot be done, this is wrong. And if you've done this, this should be withdrawn. When I was Attorney General next, I had people like uh, R.N. Okay. Then uh, Kakkar was there. And um, who was the other person? Why? Kapil Silver was also there. Okay, yes, okay. Kapil Silver was there, okay. Supreme Court was different that time. So, as uh, seven decades have passed now, what do you think about the judiciary today, the lawyers today? Do you think, what, what can be de done for the betterment? What is the scope for betterment in today's democracy? And actually... How do you see it from that time till today? Do you think how evolved, how, how much have we evolved and what is the scope of... I think it's recumbent commercialized. Commercialized. Nothing wrong in making profit. Those don't live on love and fashion, they got to make, make a living. But if the idea is to make a mini fortune, then don't, don't, don't join the legal profession. Go and trade in business. Because after all, it's a profession. It's a fight for the people, fight for the rights of the people, stand up for the rule of law, stand up for the constitution values, and you require a different kind of approach. But if you have that mentality in age, so good brief child model, forget about it. That, to my mind, that sort of mentality is slightly growing. Today, this notion of the law as a profession, noble profession, as to fight for people irrespective of peace, is receding a bit. Suppose you, you are to take somebody under you today. So under, under you, like if you if you are taking somebody as an intern or as if somebody is working under you, what would be the qualities which you would want in him or her to be? First, to be absolutely correct on facts. Never mistreat a court. Never mistreat facts. That's very important. Or you'll be mentally blackballed. That's very important. And then, of course, you, you try and do your best present both sides of the argument, to present that argument, here's a crime, nothing wrong in that. But don't miss, miss it facts. 
don't mislead the court. That's where the legal profession falls into dispute. And, the people, and then you get the famous stupid laws and all that sort of thing. But it's difficult also. Depends on circumstances, depends on the present way of thinking in the society also. But there are sure there are people who will live up to the high traditions of the bar. And I think we should encourage them. And if there are some juniors in my chambers, I would like to go out of the way to see that they get briefed with me. If I'm not charging, but they should charge, they should charge properly. And they should be at least get involved in it. They will join the profession as a profession, not as trade and business. That's the important thing. So, sir, on that note, I would like to thank you so much that yeah, you gave you. us your time. And if there is something which you want to say to the audience, you can. There is a message you want to give to the people or the audience who are watching you. People, the audiences, there are some lawyers who will fight for you, will fight for your liberties, will fight for the constitutional values. And see the sort of courage and respect it. That's how we'll get along. But there are no ifs and buts in anything. There's a genuine statement. Yes. And I hope the future generation of lawyers becomes less commercial minded and more service minded. Thank you so much, sir. I hope Thank you. you had a good time with us on our show. Oh, yes, sir. You asked many interesting questions. Thank you so much, sir. And hope to see you soon again. And please stay as young as you are and stay like oh, this yes. always. Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm only 65. <laughs>